Hello and welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. Medical marijuana has been legal in Arizona since 2010. Uh, recreational marijuana was narrowly defeated by voters here in Arizona in 2016. And now there's a new initiative on the way, perhaps in 2020. Actually, I think the signatures uh, just started to be gathered this week. Uh, and to talk about marijuana policy on this episode, I'm excited to have with us today uh, from lobbying group uh, Domena Public Affairs, Joe Domena. Joe, welcome. Thank you podcast. for having me. Really appreciate it. Glad uh, so to be we, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Second, second time back on the show. Some of your experience in the marijuana industry includes um, you guys used to represent uh, the Arizona Dispensaries Association. Yes. Uh, and then uh, you also served as the executive director of that mm-hmm. association yeah. uh, for a few years. Um, and recently you were appointed to... The Arizona Medical Marijuana Testing Advisory Committee. And we'll, or council, sorry. Council. And we'll, <laughs> newly created. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit uh, on the second part of All the right. podcast. So I want to get into uh, just some background about dispensaries, uh, issues, industry issues in general, yeah. and then get into some more uh, specifics about this new initiative and, and other uh, issues related to marijuana policy. Definitely. Uh, so... Um, First question, I'm just interested in just the sort of awkward legal situation that dispensaries are in right now, given mm-hmm. that while many states, including Arizona, have legalized uh, medical marijuana or, or recreational marijuana, uh, it still is illegal at the federal level. So just logistically, what are some of the challenges that these dispensaries face trying to do business in, in Arizona and in other states? It, it's it's a weird world out there. and And I will say that, you know, um, they are finding their way through this. Um, typically what happens is uh, banks kind of out of nowhere will say, hey, we realized you're a marijuana business, we don't want you around. Um, there are some bad players out there who will, you know, um, maybe fib a little bit on their applications to the banks, so they, it might be, you know, deserved in some ways. Uh-huh. Um, but for the most part, the banks that are willing to work with uh, medical marijuana dispensaries in Arizona, um, their names are not really passed around because once a dispensary finds a bank that'll actually work with them, they, they tend to keep that to themselves. Um, so I have, I do know that a lot of them operate pretty much in cash. Uh, it's kind of one of those, one of those things we've actually, when we were working for the dispensaries association, um, worked very closely with the department of revenue to, uh, make it as non-burdensome as possible, um, you know, for cash deposits and payments and that sort of thing, they would have surcharges and that sort of thing. So that's just one of the many examples. So the banks are technically making a big risk. Definitely. And, and in terms of, uh you know, hiring lawyers and even hiring you guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... <laughs> There's only so much we can do. <laughs> We're but, not miracle workers. <laughs> but, but I mean, even making, even making those like, you know, contracts and stuff, you know, technically, federally, yeah. they're, they're breaking the law. So it's... Yeah, it, it is. A, it's a little, it's a weird situation. I think for the most part, the feds are turning a blind eye to all of this. They, uh-huh. they know what's happening. Um, you know, there will be enough of an appetite eventually for it to be federally legalized. Similar to uh, when alcohol prohibition ended, you know, uh, it's my understanding that the feds didn't necessarily legalize it fully. There was sort of a patchwork of um, laws that eventually kind of molded into the, the three-tiered system that we know today um, for alcohol. Uh, so there's, there's kind of an understanding that even though we are technically breaking this federal law, it's understood that... We're not going to get cracked down here, but we 
still have to be careful. Oh yeah, it seems <laughs> and, that way. And 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 just actually, uh, couple, this last couple of days, there's a, there's been a bill working through uh, the national government yeah. about U.S. Uh, or banking yeah, laws, allowing for them to bank. It made it through the House. Uh-huh. We're not sure if it's actually going to make it through the Senate. You know how tough it can be to uh-huh. actually get it through, but it is a monumental thing just to get it through the House. And it, and it seemed like from some of the stuff I read is that. Uh, people that might, like senators that might have been opposed and might still be opposed to legalizing mm-hmm. marijuana, they, they can they can kind of use the argument of, look, these 33 states have already legalized some form of, of marijuana. They're using banks. Let's just you go at it from an economic perspective of, yep. look, we have a banking system. Let's just make this you know, easier so we can, we can regulate it and know what's going on financially. The other thing too is, you know, currently the money is simply flowing around the, the American economy. So for example, a lot of uh, companies are listed on the Canadian stock exchange. You know, Canada's getting all that, all that loot and America's not really seeing a lot of it. There are a lot of um, acquisitions and mergers that are contingent upon federal legalization in America or uh, the U.S., I should say. Um, so there's, there's a lot kind of hinging on when they're actually going to press that button. So there are dispensaries and, and businesses that are planning to make business transactions with, mm. with each other, but they're just waiting for the national... Specific, legalization specifically international companies so okay. it's my it's my okay. understanding acreage holdings is one of them that's merging with a big canadian company um i and forgive me let just just one quick disclaimer i don't know everything and sometimes i do throw out incorrect <laughs> facts because i tend to take in a lot of stuff so i just want to make sure that you know i, I put that out there i'm not always correct our, but most our, often i am <laughs> our listeners can 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 fact check okay. google um and and you guys i on your Put out a you guys recently put out a few blogs and newsletters. Um, one of them was on was titled "On Marijuana Capitalism and, and Arizona Politics," mm-hmm. and you talked about how this this financial question of new investment, new capital yeah. um, moving in. Do you think that is going to sort of be a driver for the broader legalization in in states and even federally? Do you think? Do you think that the money is is there and coming oh, yeah. in is going to shift policy? Absolutely, money changes everything, mm-hmm. especially in politics. It's it's a dirty thing to to realize, but it is the truth. You know, if you have the crappiest candidate in the world and you've got a mountain of money to to sell that candidate, mm-hmm. chances are that candidate's probably <laughs> going to make it. So, um, so there are a lot of and the other thing too is this is more along the process of normalizing cannabis in American life. When, when banks recognize it, when you're able to deal with the Department of Revenue, deal with the Maricopa uh, Tax uh, Assessor's Office, talk to these regulators regularly about something that, yeah, it is federally illegal, but we're taking care of it within the state, that's more of those normalization steps. How does the taxes work? Because if they're, if they're collecting in cash, if they're not paying federal taxes, how does the dispensary tax system work? work in Arizona. It's it's a little tricky. Um, and I, I wouldn't want to speak out of turn because I don't actually own a dispensary. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, there are nonprofits um, that are in the loop and there are also uh, generally holding companies that operate uh, with those nonprofits. 
Um, so to say that they're fully nonprofit would not be accurate. There's definitely a profit motive involved. Right. Um, but again, I, I couldn't really say specifically about where the taxes go and, and what they're not paying in federal taxes and how that, how that might affect them. But they are paying, Arizona medical marijuana dispensaries are paying state taxes, Oh, right? yeah, heck yeah. And where do those, how are the, with the law that was passed, where does that money go to right now? Which, the tax that is there is there a specific provision for oh I'm so sorry where yeah, yeah. the tax money goes so, right now so for the medical marijuana mm-hmm. program um, the money goes into what's called the medical marijuana fund uh-huh. that's in the Department of Health so it literally just sits in there and this isn't the taxes these are the proceeds from the sales the taxes okay. will still go to the municipalities typical to any other business in in the vicinity um, uh, like so they go in the general fund yeah they or, go okay. so so it goes so um, the the proceeds go into the Department of Health um, medical marijuana fund and and the purpose of that fund, which is set up by the Prop 203, which mm-hmm. put medical marijuana in place in Arizona, is for that fund to only be used to further the purpose of the act. And so some things that might be included in that would be, you know, uh, potentially hiring security guards or educational seminars or, um, you know, maybe uh, doing data collection and learning about the different ways that marijuana could affect, you know, these certain types of ailments for the most part, the state isn't really doing any of that. They've kind of been sitting on their hands for the most part um, since the Medical Marijuana Act went into effect. There are a lot of political reasons behind that, um, and, and also in, in you know in the regulators' view, and they might have a point. It is a somewhat flawed proposition. Um, in in um, Arizona, we have something called the Prop One of Five Protection Clause, which. Uh, I think it was in 1996, originally, Arizonans uh, did say yes to medical marijuana. So then the legislature came back that next year and basically ixnated it and said, no, we're not going to do that. Got rid of it legislatively. Well, then the year after that, the, the voters okayed something called the Prop 105 Protection Clause, which means that anything that is voter approved mm-hmm. in Arizona requires uh, a majority uh, to, uh, uh, to, uh, of the legislature um, and it also has to further the purpose of the X. So you can't right. undo anything. I think it isn't even a super majority. It isn't like two thirds yeah. majority. To, yes. uh, and that's, that's pretty hard. It's a very <laughs> that's high pretty, threshold uh, very to do high. that. I know that's, and we'll get to that uh, in a little bit, but that's one of the concerns about, you know, this, this, this new initiative is uh, if it goes to the voters and the voters approve it, it's yes. hard to change or yeah. even modify. Um, so maybe the legislature will, will do it, but we'll, um, we'll get into that okay. in, in a little bit. Um, I think, so when you mentioned like, okay, there's money driving this uh-huh. and that might change the policy. I think <laughs> a lot of people that have reservations about marijuana and, um, are concerned about the danger, you know, they, they, uh, they're, they're worried about it for them or their, you know, their community or their kids, mm-hmm. you know, they, they think, well, um, there's ri- you know, there's risks involved. And, and I, I think what are, uh, the safety precautions, I guess. And, and I know in 2016 that the campaign against it, um, you know, they're very concerned about kids getting edibles yeah. and, and, um, more people using it than, yeah. than would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, you know, for people that were concerned about that, the, the safety risks, um, what would you, 
say to them? Well, so for as far as more people using it, um, it certainly isn't good for for minors to be using it more more than usual. Um, I've seen a lot of data on both sides. Usually, the prohibitionists like to say that youth usage has gone up, uh-huh. and then the pro legalization people say youth usage has gone down. I know. It seems like people are just <laughs> cherry picking from different states. And this state, this happened. Mm-hmm. That state, that happened. And it's like it's hard to tell what it, the it, it really is hard to tell. Are. Um, but as far as in my opinion, I think marijuana should be legalized, and I think that it is so helpful to so many people. And it's really one of those things where you don't know until you try it. And a lot of people have had bad experiences in the past. This is a much more sort of regulated, um, um, normalized, and and something you can uh, kind of get behind. Um, just to kind of give you a, a little background, you know, um, my my family uh, is a public affairs firm. My my father had a, a, a DUI, pharmaceutical DUI, that was pretty well documented in the Arizona Republic. Um, and you know, as a family, we all decided that medical marijuana was the answer to help him. And it was a godsend. We got our dad back and he's never looked back. And so I think about that story and how it just affected the Domena crew. And I think of people, you know, like a prohibitionist, Sheila Polk, the Yavapak County attorney who thinks that nobody should try marijuana because Mm -hmm. it's just bad altogether. Yeah. There's got to be a middle ground there because it does help people. Um, so, and then in answer to your second part of your question, um, the campaign to, um, legalized marijuana, which is called uh, Smart and Safe this time. Actually, I actually want to get that right. Yeah, Smart and Safe. Smart and Arizona. Safe, Arizona. Yeah. Um, they did kind of pay attention to some of the things that they messed up on in 2016. One of those includes um, the uh, DUI component. That was something that they were, they got harped on big time, which was they basically didn't address it. There's no way to, to sort of, if someone was high and, and driving, there was... In the previous one, there was no way to Pretty much. hold them accountable for this. This one doesn't really have as much more teeth, but it does address the situation, which is basically it says prohibits DUIs, but it doesn't really necessary, necessarily consider what is impaired. Mm-hmm. So that's something. And, and the DUI laws in Arizona need probably just to be mm-hmm. refurbished anyway as far as what is impairment. You know, typically, and just to kind of do a little mm-hmm. side sidestep, because we represent the Coalition of Ignition Interlock Manufacturers, which uh-huh. is a group that um, makes the actual ignition interlock devices when you get a DUI. Okay. Um, and, you know, the the impairment, what is impairment in Arizona, I think, should be reexamined. Previously, it was alcohol, uh, inhalants, and then I think the other one was stimulants. Uh-huh. There's so many other things out there. Red Bull, right, right. lack of sleep. Um, you know, bath salts that someone got from text China. Text messaging. <laughs> exactly, text <laughs> Social messaging. Media. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so I think we need to re-examine what impairment is. There are a lot of um, pharmaceutical uh, uh, medications that people take, and they're able to drive just fine. So we need to start kind of comparing it in those ways. I think. Yeah, and and uh, just to go back to the to the safety thing mm-hmm. a little bit before we go into the some of the more of the specifics about the uh, the initiative. Um. You know, there's a question of money in pharmaceuticals that, yeah. that and the opioid crisis is, is you know, a crisis. Yeah. And there's there's opportunities perhaps for, for other uh, and, and healthier ways to, to treat pain. Mm-hmm. There's also, uh, from the conservative perspective, it strikes me as uh, 
it's always it's always struck me as a little bit backwards uh, for them to oppose it because it you know if you go back to sort of John Locke's philosophy of the role of government, I mm-hmm. mean if it's if you're using it and it's it's not hurting anyone else and you're an adult, why what's what's the role of government in in preventing that? I'm with you on that one. <laughs> and and um, you know obviously if you give it to kids, yeah that's that's a, that's a crime. Or if yeah. if you're you know driving high and that's that's not good, but yeah. but in you know in your own home using using a substance. Um, you know what J.P. Holyoke used to say? He was the chairman of the 2016 campaign. Uh-huh. It was called the campaign to regulate uh, marijuana like alcohol. At all the debates, he would always say, we can't outlaw bad parenting. Uh-huh. And I think that that was such a really great way to sort of sum up that there's so much more to this. And you can you can definitely apply that to anything, you know, mm-hmm. um, sex education, right. um, um, gun control and how to handle a gun. You know, parents are such an essential part and the more that we can normalize cannabis and, and educate people, the more we can. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And and even if you're concerned about the danger, I think, you know, if you look at the safety issues of, you know, developing brains and THC, and there's, you know, there's some studies looking at correlations of risk factors to psychosis with, with yeah. THC uh, and other mental health issues. But it seems to me that legalization would actually help because of the transparency with the dosage right mm-hmm. so if it's not if you're just getting off the street or if you know 18 19 year old 20 year old getting off the street you have no idea what yeah. what you're buying you know Absolutely. If, it, and if you look at the just use the analogy of like alcohol like you don't know if you're getting hard liquor or like mm-hmm. light beer really if you're oh, just yeah. buying off the street but uh with with legalization you're going to a store and it's saying this is the dosage of this this is the dosage of that so you you know, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's right there. What, what you're getting. Yeah. And, and it's labeled. And it's, mm-hmm. it's labeled. So, so in a way I think even, you know, it would even help yeah. the safety, even awareness yeah. uh, of those things. You know, do parents know, totally. you know, what, what the potency is and, and, and things like that. The more you empower them with information, the better they're going to be able to. Ra- rather than being like, Oh, scary yeah. stuff. Just don't touch it. Like just mm-hmm. say no sort of, um, sort of thing. And then, um, you know, Nancy you, Reagan definitely educated <laughs> a lot of people and you know what? It worked up until, up until uh-huh. a point, um, depending on who you ask, there are so many people that feel certain ways about the drug war in general. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say legalize everything. Some people say, you know, make everything illegal. I think that there's a sweet spot in everything, in every policy, yeah. frankly. Um, and I think that what we've seen up until this point is that marijuana is simply not as harmful as we were taught. Yeah. And, and, and from, you know, being, working with young people and I, uh, working with teenagers, <laughs> you know, I, I do have conversations like that. And it's yeah. like, I think the more you can educate, be like, yeah, it is, um, it is harmful to brain development. And, and, you know, but if you just don't talk about it and, and it's not, it's not something that, uh, can be used in an educational way. And I think, I, I do think that, that legalization, um, just with the transparency, with the dosage and the regulation, mm-hmm. can help with that. And you are on this new board, and and so our listeners might be interested in in that the about how you re- how the state would regulate the health or safety of these substances. The being, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's the Arizona Medical Marijuana Testing Advisory Council set up by Senate Bill 1494 from uh, the 2019 legislative session. 
And essentially what this does is it creates a council um, charged with making recommendations to uh, the governor and the legislature um, on uh, how to do testing. And this includes all sorts of different testing components. This would be um, microbial, which I, I believe is... And, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> Again, not, not a scientist. Uh, microbial, um, heavy metals, um, f fungus, basically all the nasty little things that uh, E. coli, salmonella, mm -hmm. as asperg aspergillus, mm -hmm. all the things you wouldn't want to have in something that you're inhaling and mm -hmm. smoking. And keeping in mind that, you know, medical marijuana, regardless of what the prohibitionists want you to think, does serve a population of medical patients who rely exclusively on this plant for, for them to function and to live and to have great, great lives. And so the idea that we might be, um, you know, giving them dirty medicine, that's just, that's just not right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, this legislation is long overdue. Um, I previously thought that it was going to take legalization in 2020 for the, the Department of Health or the legislature mm -hmm. to get off their duff and do this, but mm -hmm. they actually did it. And um, I think the meeting this morning went really well. It was kind of a crash course in a lot of <laughs> the things that I listed off. Um, but some of the things that will also be determining our potency standards, um, uh, how to get rid of um, remediation, how to get rid of um, marijuana that shouldn't be used, um, making concentrates and solvents, and, and what what is an acceptable uh, a marijuana uh, amount um, that has those other microbials and all that junk mm -hmm. in it for concentrates because apparently that's a different you know yeah. way altogether you can strip all that crap out of there so there's just so much to go over it's how crazy. many people use marijuana like how many how many mer medical marijuana users are there in arizona um in arizona currently as of august 2019 um there are uh, 211,520 patients total um and to kind of give you a little bit of an idea um that's uh, Arizona pop. The yeah, Arizona population is uh, seven point one seven two million, and so that's about three percent of the Arizona okay. population. And that has and that has grown in yeah. the last ten it years. Has, yeah. So just for comparison, and I don't have numbers uh, since the beginning of the program, but um, in November of seventeen, it was one hundred fifty-seven thousand. Okay. So it's grown significantly, um, and every single time someone registers for a card their money that goes toward that card goes in that big dhs do, fund dude are doctors are, are are doctors allowed to sign prescriptions for that or like i think you know the stereotype would be like oh you just go in and be like oh yeah. my back is hurting you get a you get a card yeah. is it how how legit is this process and are doctors even comfortable signing those it, it's kind of all over the map so every doctor is going to be a different story mm -hmm. i've got a little brother for a doctor mm -hmm. a little yeah <laughs> he's a psychiatrist <laughs> over yeah. at maricopa county um and so we kind of talk about this every every now and then just to kind of sum it up the livelihood of a doctor kind of rises and falls on their dea number their mm -hmm. ability to write prescriptions mm -hmm. you don't really you're not really worth anything until you can write a prescription mm -hmm. and so uh so if you do something like this, you, if you were to certify somebody for something that's federally illegal, mm -hmm. you could be putting your uh, your ability to write prescriptions um, at risk. So typically, you'll find doctors in Arizona um, referring patients to uh, what are essentially uh, called um, what do you call them uh, marijuana certification clinics. Uh -huh. You'll, those are the ones you drive around. You see the silly marijuana leaves, ref, doctor referrals. Right, right. Uh, I, that's where I go. Mm -hmm. it, it's silly. But when I go in there, I know what I'm coming out with. So, right. so that's helpful. Right. Um, you know, uh, so again, 
the doctors, there, there are doctors who are going to be seeing um, some patients who have some serious ailments. You know, so if, just to kind of go over the, the numbers, 88.92% of those with uh, a medical marijuana card in Arizona are there for chronic pain. Um, the second highest one, though, is 1.94%, and that's for cancer. Mm -hmm. Then the one after that is PTSD. That's 1.18%. So typically, you're going to have a patient who's going to a bevy of doctors to deal with all these ailments. It's not just going to be they're going to that one doctor or they're going to, you know. The and and I, I, I appreciated that sentiment that, that uh, you and your dad had in that uh, article you you put on your blog too about hey some some people have it in their medis medical medicine cabinet mm -hmm. some people have it in their liquor cabinet some people don't have it at all mm -hmm. and I feel like you know yeah there are some people that do use it for medical purposes right now it's not legal recreationally yeah. so probably a lot of people who want their liquor cabinet find a way to get it medically Into, yep. um, but is it going to be legalized uh, recreationally? Let's talk about the initiatives now. Okay. Uh, biggest takeaway from 2016, why do you think the 2016 one failed? Very narrow. And, and, the, and the 2010, I was looking up the, the medical marijuana. That one was very, very close yeah. as well to oh, pass yeah. medical marijuana. I mean, that was like mm -hmm. 20,000 votes or something. Yeah, it was like, nuts. And then Governor Brewer, who was governor at the time, did all she could to stall the program from actually being implemented. She was able to, to stall it for almost a solid year. So, yeah. And, so. and so Arizona voters divide on this. 2016 recreational mm -hmm. marijuana narrowly failed. Um, why did it fail? Why did it fail? Money. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say it's money. And that's, I think, one of the key things that's going to be different about 2016 versus 2020. Mm -hmm. So just to give you a, a, an idea, um, let's see. Uh, so the, an the anti-campaigns exactly. outspent uh, the pro-campaign in 2016. I remember some of those ads it like, crazy. like uh, you know, the gum everywhere I drive, there would be a gummy ad saying, mm -hmm. like, do you know the difference between this and... Yep. And a regular gummy bear. And Arizona's for Responsible Drug Policy mm -hmm. is the name of that group. Spearheaded by then Seth Liebson, who's a mm -hmm. talk show person, and, and Sheila Polk. And it also had opposition and, and, and from the from the business community. Uh, and And they have not said on how they're going to stand on this 2021, but it seemed like their concern was that businesses wouldn't be able to uh, do drug testing mm -hmm. anymore. Employers or, will lose rights, that sort of thing. You'll have people coming stoned to mm -hmm. work, which is probably happening in, in a little <laughs> bit already anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the one thing that's but to be very... Able, like right now, you can say, okay, I'm going to drug test you, and if you, if you have marijuana use like i can say i don't want to hire you mm -hmm. but if you have this medic it kind of yeah brings up some 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 gray areas absolutely um, employers and and one so i so again i think the main reason that the 2016 initiative was uh defeated was because of money you had the fundraising machine that is governor doug ducey behind that 100 right. he put so much effort into defeating that that initiative it was it and it was huge he you know he was on fire um you had the arizonans for responsible drug policy that were in, injecting lots of cash you also have a lot of older prohibitionist types that were very active at the time right. so for example bruce bruce holly from discount tire um he was one of the biggest donors um the bashas uh, basha family from the mm -hmm. grocery stores bashas um, and then you also had just one, the kind of like drugs are bad. 
we don't want this. Not in of, our neighborhood. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the one that really made a lot of waves was late in the game, um, the fentanyl makers based in Chandler. In- Insys? Insys. I always say it wrong. I-N-S-Y-S, Therapeutics, um, donated a half million dollars to the anti-205 campaign. So when that injection of money came in that late in the game, it was almost too much for uh marijuana policy project to deal with at the time mm-hmm. the other thing too that that's different um so so a lot of those people just to come come back mm-hmm. um bruce holly's passed away um i don't believe the the basha family will be participating like that from what i can tell right now oh and also nc's went uh bankrupt <laughs> from what i can tell um yavapai county polk will probably be having a hard time doing some serious fundraising um, one of the things that I've also noticed the campaign uh, uh, campaigners doing this time around is talking to the business community, like you mentioned. Last mm-hmm. time, they just kind of put it out there. Here's mm-hmm. the initiative. Deal with it. This time, they've actually gone around. They've talked to the Arizona Chamber. Um, I've, I've seen a meeting with um, lawmakers, you know, and getting as much input as possible. Um, I have to assume they're talking to law enforcement as well because you want to have a well, well-rounded right. um, initiative. And um, they've actually taken some of those suggestions into uh, into mind. So, for example, um, just recently they announced that that there are going to be 26 licenses in the new initiative in, in 2020 that will be awarded to, uh, and I'm going to get this wrong, but social equity awards. Okay. So the idea there, and this has played well in other states, which is, um, minorities, lower socioeconomic communities are the most adversely um, hurt by marijuana le- prohibition. Uh-huh. And so the idea is to empower... In terms of, in terms of criminal yeah, uh, exactly. arrests and, and things like that. Exactly. And so the idea is to empower those communities to, you know, essentially win the lottery. I mean, because when you get a marijuana license, dude, that's like winning the lottery. Right? At the very least, you can get by my estimation, at least $3 million for a license straight up, probably more. Just in terms of the business? Uh, if I had a piece uh, of paper that mm-hmm. said I have the ability to open up a marijuana dispensary and cultivation, and f- in Arizona it's a fully integrated license, right. at least $3 million. Yeah, I've seen uh, single licenses go operational single licenses, mm-hmm. like you know, you give me the keys and I can turn on the lights and start doing business tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Those somewhere between twelve and $15 million. Interesting. The more licenses, the more. Because that was another critique of the last one is that kind of dispensaries were kind of setting it up to to favor yeah. them and kind of get out competition. But these might open up, you yeah. know, more more opportunities, more competition. There's also something about uh, expunging mm-hmm. uh, past criminal re- records. Mm-hmm. What is was that in the last one? It was not. So what's what is this? This new? is another another new thing that they've mm-hmm. added, and they actually went back and, and made some additional changes. In the original initiative language that they filed, I think it was like last month, um, it was going to allow for an expungement of up to one ounce of marijuana for anyone that had, uh, you know, had a felony or had been caught doing that. Um, after talking to minority leadership and, and getting some input from um, different criminal justice organizations, it's my understanding that they've upped that amount to 2.5 ounces, okay. which is the amount allotted to medical marijuana patients mm-hmm. in Arizona. So it's a, it's a realistic number. But they went around, they, they got that input, they made those changes. And so I think just based on that alone, it shows that this is a swifter, more realistic um, uh, initiative. And in terms of the edibles, they put a limit they allowed the the Arizona Department of something to put a to put a limit on the potency of the yeah. of the edibles. It's too. my understanding that the that the the medical marijuana testing advisory council that 
that I'm a part of the intent. There is an intent clause in the bill that created that, which says that it's supposed to apply to uh, actual legalization. Okay. We'll we'll see if that actually happens. I mean, it, but that is the intent. And then there's a, if I'm getting this right, is there a 16 percent ta- uh, tax? And where, according to how this uh, initiative is written, where is that money? So, so the 16% is going to go, uh, in addition to regular taxes, similar to any other retail good, it's, it's my understanding they're going to be giving it to the, the cities. Okay. Um, I believe they're going to be giving it to uh, fire, pension, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, there was a lot of talk about putting that money toward uh, K-12 and teacher pay because that was a really big mm-hmm. deal you know, in the past couple of years. Um, but I don't believe I, I have to no. assume they did some polling and they realized that that didn't play well with, with voters. Yeah. I think I saw that some of it's going to community colleges. Yeah. Um, right. Department of health services and the department of safety with the remaining funds divided primarily between community colleges, fire and police departments and public okay. health programs. Cool. Uh, so that's where the, that's where the tax money's going. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if they have any estimates for how much would be raised off this, but it, it wouldn't. Um, I'd imagine it'd be it's significant be, yeah. for those that are that are paying <laughs> um, recipients there. So, um, any other uh, major differences yeah. b- between this one that yeah that the you other cared to, the other thing uh, that they took into account um, they listened to the anti side last time mm-hmm. in a big way. Um, so this time they are not. Sorry for the loud noises. There is a ban on cannabis products that resemble the form of a human, animal, insect, fruit, toy, or cartoon. Okay. The idea there is to not have products that are attractive to minors. That's one of the things that the Arizonans for Responsible Drug Policy hit them hard on. Yeah. Time, which is gummy bears, right. you know, soda pops. And hey, you know what? I'm, I'm a 34-year-old 34, 34 adult male. I like gummy bears, yeah, you know what I yeah. mean, but but I also have to recognize that there is uh, there's an inherent risk with having those laying around. Yeah, so. kind of a safeguard against the, mm-hmm. the accidents and exactly. things. So one of the other differences too, uh, Billy, is that the the drivers of the 2016 uh, initiative were very much marijuana policy project. Mm-hmm. That's the DC based uh, a group that works on advocating for marijuana laws in general. And um, they were really running the show in 2016. They had kind of some cookie-cutter language that they brought in here. They brought all the dispensaries together and said, hey, guys, this is the language we're doing. Get with it. And then they would kind of continually fundraise from them. This time, it's a different story. This, the, the MPP has essentially gone away. It's not quite the, the big behemoth that it was you know, before. They've had some Me Too issues. They mm-hmm. kind of fell apart, lost a lot of their donors. So now what you have is a lot of Arizona dispensaries who are actually, who have since 2016 positioned themselves as national players. They have access to capital, and mm-hmm. they are the main people who are funding this. So that includes Harvest, uh, MedMen, um, Ianthus, which is also known, they, they bought MPX, Curaleaf uh, is a big one, Cresco Labs. A lot of those players um, are the ones who are actually funding it. So you'll I, again, I think that'll add to more of the swiftness and the ability for the campaign right. to act fast. And the signatures are, are being collected now. I think they have to, it's due by July or something. July 2nd, they got to get 237,645 valid signatures. But it's brought up, even with even with Republicans who were opposed last time, it's brought up conversations of, look, if this is going to happen, should we, 
especially because of the Voter Protection Act issues of if this passes, it'll be very hard to change. Um, and if you change it, it has to uh, further the purpose of the bill. Mm-hmm. Seems like there's at least talk about the possibility of the legislature trying to pass something. Um, is that a practical possibility this session, uh, politically or probably anything not. else? Sadly, probably mm-hmm. not. God, I wish it were. I wish mm-hmm. it could happen though. It would be so much simpler. There's so many things that that the Republican-led uh, legislature could do to the the initiative to make it more digestible for Arizonans. Mm. I mean, this is the land of Barry Goldwater. Yeah. You know, we're, we're all about allowing you to make bad choices, mm-hmm. but it all has to be within reason, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so it's just not likely. There are only a handful of legislators who actually um, are are that pro-marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that comes to mind right now is Representative Kevin Payne. I know he was involved in uh, Normal, the uh, which is a, a marijuana group. Um, but to, to quote Jay Lawrence, Representative Jay Lawrence, I saw him at, at this alcohol um, forum a couple weeks back, and they were talking about this. What's the likelihood of legalizing it? Mm-hmm. And he just got up and said, there is no way, and I would, I would stop it, and my fellow Republicans would stop it. So... The appetite is just not there. Uh-huh. But what's really interesting about it is it could be done. And it, it's another example of, of something that the legislature refuses to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Native American gaming was another one of those that was a great example in 2001 or 2002. Um, you know, the, the legislature refused to deal with the gaming situation. And so what happened was because they refused to do it, the tribes all got together and yeah. they said, let's put it on the ballot. And what happened was the, the, the turnout changed dramatically for that election, and right. it resulted in um, uh, Janet Napolitano becoming governor instead of Matt Salmon. Yeah. So because the legislature refused to deal with this thing that, that they could have done in a good way, we got Janet, which, yeah. you know, what, <laughs> depending on how you feel about Janet, <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah. she's all good. But, yeah. um, but I think that that's, it, it sucks because the legislature still hasn't really learned its lesson, and it, it might need for... A switch. Yeah, to, I mean, and you, you hear a lot of complaints about this, about the initiative process, and um, how it can create bad policy, and how you can't change it when it does. Where it's like, well, if there's major issues that need to be resolved, then, yeah. then do it. And I think that's the counterpoint: is hey, you're not, you're not really doing your job here, and if you're not, the voters are gonna are gonna act on it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, it, to their credit, because I work with a lot of lawmakers, they 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 walk a tightrope. It would be difficult to go to your constituents right, and right. say, hey, we legalized marijuana, but it's not that bad. Yeah. It's just we had to do it so we yeah, could, and you it, know. So for them, that is a or, hard sell. Or maybe even putting something to the voters, I mean, because they could, they could refer something, but then you get that, this competing exactly. to, c- competing. Uh, Competing ideas, um, well, especially for the Republicans. Oh, you so you're going to let all? I can imagine the Republicans in this PC meeting talking to you know a, a, a Nancy Barto or a John Allen or or whoever. Just pick your conservative and saying you're really going to let the Democrats decide this one. You know what I mean by putting it on the ballot? There's there are certain districts that are so heavily red. Um, that you, you they, they would happily switch somebody out if they did a boneheaded move like that. Yeah. So it's tough. So some um, people are protecting, you know, they're um, probably not going to, this is probably not going to come out of the legislature if you had to. I think it's to safe to it. say, you know, the, there, there were possibilities a few years ago. I think that the, 
you know, the legislature was much more interested in, in um, finding ways to kind of stave that off and maybe have a, a, a better medical program that's more inclusive. Um, but that those conversations have died big time. Okay. Well, uh, last question here. Okay. Do you, uh, what would be the odds you think that the United States would legalize marijuana or change uh, the, the laws around that in the next decade? I think it's very likely. I think it's very likely. I, I, I think, you know, I would have to examine how uh, alcohol prohibition went away a little mm-hmm. bit, bit more thoroughly to kind of uh, extrapolate how it will go. But I assume that it will be similar to that. It, at some point, the feds will step in and say, hey, you know, all those laws you're doing, those are great. Here's an extra 5% excise tax that will mm-hmm. go to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and then we'll have to adjust accordingly because it, it'll cost a lot or it'll hurt, it'll hurt the existing uh, Arizona economy. But the really good part about that is once they do it, the borders become not a thing. Right. International, right, right, national. Right. One of the things that people got to realize about Arizona especially is that we are right there between Canada and Mexico as far as a, a, a railway line or a transportation. Right. Um, so it could become one of those big economic drivers. I mean, there's five C's in Arizona right now. Uh-huh. Cannabis could become <laughs> a six one. <laughs> six C. Uh, well, it seems, I mean, it seems like it's inevitable. It just depends on how. It's gonna happen. Exactly. So I think that's what that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna see. Yeah. Uh, moving on the next couple of years here in Arizona. And, and you're gonna keep seeing these, these these businesses poising themselves for that because mm-hmm. they wanna be ready. I mean the moment that you know they flip that switch, these yeah. guys are gonna be hitting the ground running. Well, cool. Well, Joe, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Best wishes to, to the Domena uh, family. Thank uh, you very, very much. Very much appreciated the conversation. Hope to come back soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks.